Tim, season three, episode seven, stats don't matter. The NBA finals are here. Our Celtics made it. They're facing the Golden State Warriors. We're going to talk our preview, make some predictions again, even though we did. Because I just made a prediction before and I was like, nah, it would be nice to see Warriors Celtics in. And Sam Shadamas made it happen. We're going to talk some golf this week. Got the match going on right now in the background. And there is this like live invitational that is, is causing a lot of issues. We're, we're going we're gonna to speak about that. And we're also going to talk about something that should command your attention. Just going to leave it at that. Choose your own adventure, but we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> and our cup this week is a double IPA from Decor, Iowa, an Imperial Stout from Tampa, Florida. Now, hmm, let me think about that. Imperial Stout's Tampa, Florida. Uh, so get your bingo cards out, people. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Stats Don't Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things sports and beer. And find Stats Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the damn show. Let's go. I, I, now, nailed, I nailed it that time, I think. Yeah, you did. Stop the landing. We're good. Seeing as you're going to have one of these uh, mm. uh, bingo beers, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and start. Okay. So <laughs> uh, this past weekend went up to the great state of Maine and then uh, the live free or die state uh, for the impending nuptials of uh, Jamie, frequent listener of this podcast. Also, um, recipient of a brand new four pack right brought some fox mm-hmm. farm up to him i mean the beer store brought some fox farm up to him um and yeah he and uh, my sister-in-law emily got married this weekend so the ceremony itself was in new hampshire and you know I, I brought some i brought some beer um and they had this like party uh like the night uh before their wedding like they got an airbnb and everything and mm-hmm. i met like one of his groomsmen and like the dude's like really big into beer so like we hit it off and the guy's like, how, how do you know so much about beer? And I couldn't even, I couldn't even say it. Jamie, big, big stand-up podcast. He was like, oh, because he runs a beer and a sports podcast. And I tried to demur, and he's like, no, 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 no. No, it's called Stats the Matter, and it's good. So shout out to you, Jamie. Appreciate shout that. out to Jamie. Hope Jimmy. you're enjoying your, uh, your, your honeymoon there. Um, but the, the reason why I'm talking about that is because we ran out of beer. Because, you know, sometimes when you get a couple of crafties in you, you get real uh, generous, right? And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you're like, oh, shit, where did those 16 beers go? Uh, so we had to go get more, more beer the next day. So thanks to the Google machine and the fact that craft beer is widely distributed now, uh, there happened to be a place right down the street from us. So I went down there, and Jamie's friend had talked about uh, this particular brewery that he liked, Toppling Goliath uh, Brewing Co. And I'm sure most of you have heard of it. Um, King Su uh, is the beer I'll be drinking tonight. They double IPA with Citra. And it just happened to be in cans. Perfect date. So I went and bought some more beer. And actually, I flew back with at least a four-pack. Would have been a six-pack, but uh, I did. I, I I just, you know, I had to give a couple away. So first thing you're going to notice about this can, I mean, it's hard to miss because it's a friggin' T-Rex, dude. Look at that thing. <laughs> um, it's crazy. It's so cool. Um, Decorah, Iowa. Definitely didn't know that... Uh, Iowa is a big craft beer place, but I tell you what, I'm gonna have to, gonna have to make a trip. <clears throat> gonna have to do it. The back says this lusciously hazy double IPA gains its bold flavors of mango, orange, and pineapple from the use of the delicious, delicious citra hop. All hail the king. So, let's see what this is. You know, I see those all the say. time, but I've never, uh, I've never gone so far as to buy one. Um, there's a reason why I think this is in New Hampshire. Shout out to uh, Vacation Land Distributing. 
uh, because they were the ones who brought it to Maine. But I would assume that's probably how they got there. So shout out to uh, Jim and, and the whole folks there being able to get it because I'm sure that's how it came in. All right, here we go. We're talking enough. Look at this thing. Nice, nice and hazy. Good head retention. Oh, okay. So sometimes what you get with like double IPAs is one of two extremes. It's either too soft or it's too bitter. And this is just kind of in the middle. And I, I like double IPAs that drink this way because it kind of, you know, doesn't make you feel like absolute dog shit if you have like four of these, which sometimes I want to do. So I, I definitely like this. It is thinner than I think I would have expected for a double IPA. Um, but I think Toppling Goliath is also known for like uh, one of their stouts. But that's ringing the bell. That's usually what I've heard of them. Besides, like, um, Pseudo Sue, which is their pale ale, which is a really good beer as well. So these are both flagships. That being said, I'll give it a solid 4-2. It's pretty good. It definitely has a lot of hot flavor, although I'm not. This is weird, but, like, can you taste mango? Can I? Yeah. I mean, mango has the flavor. What do you mean? Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> For whatever reason, like I always taste like if there's something, if I read something beforehand and it's like, oh, uh, you know, notes of stone fruit and mango. I'll pick up the stone fruit all day long. But I won't pick up the mango. Like, are you sure, are you sure what have, you're like, tasting? Are you sure what you're tasting is not actually mango? Because I couldn't tell you what a stone fruit tastes like. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but I know if you've ever had the mango white claw you know what that tastes like and that shit never leaves your breath for like a day or two and i don't taste that when i taste this so that's why i'm gonna assume that maybe maybe that's and you gave it a but, four, you know, four two, two huh it's in it's in yeah, it's in like two, yeah. your, your top echelon of of uh craft beers i mean for me top echelon is like 4.5 and up but uh no it's uh, <laughs> top 25 uh, it'll wow. make the power okay. rankings i uh, might not make the playoffs you know, that's reason, what we should do. The only reason I haven't uh, purchased one of these is because they always get stored warm down here. Mm. And I know they don't get sold a ton uh, because I always see them around. So I'm not trying to buy something yeah. that sat warm on a shelf aging. for Like, it's different. I know we talked about this, uh, I think, the last podcast in terms of, or the one before about cans and aging and whatnot. That does not count the ones that are sitting in a hot uh, package store for four weeks. I, I was speaking specifically about things that have been kept in a cooler and in like a colder environment. But I'm not about to buy. Which this was. Yeah, I'm not about to buy a, a four, a, like a four pack or something that's been sitting out on a warm shelf. That that uh, that's where I draw the line. Well, one of one of the lines. What are we gonna say? We should do what? Uh, and I think now we should uh, get to the moment you've all been waiting for. And by mm. you all, I mean Tim. <clears throat> <clears throat> all right, ladies and gents, I have uh, in my possession uh, a beer I have discussed on numerous occasions, but I don't think I don't think I've done one yet. Have I? I think I did an Untitled Arts before, which was a collab with a collab. Yep. But this is the actual. Real deal. I have in front of me <sighs> coconut double stuffed fudge bucket. It's an imperial sweet stout from the one and only Angry Chair. 
Bam. Good Lord. Look at that thing. Yeah. And this thing has been aging for a bit, which is nice. This is their 2021 bottle. Ooh. Uh, I got this. Uh, I got this. Via trade from uh, a beer stork. Mm -hmm. a, bottle, uh, a bottle of whiskey I wasn't a huge fan of. So. Wow. Talk about fleecing the market, huh? Uh, yeah. It was a rye. The barrel strength rye, actually. I think I cracked open. Um, uh, not bad. And he fleeced you. The ryes are better. Come on now. Uh, nah, not a big, not a big rye guy, but it's a hundred dollar bottle of whiskey that resells for, I don't know, $200 or something like that. And I wasn't going to drink it. So I figured I would, I was just going to send it to him. Uh, and as a thank you, send me this bad boy. So yeah, man, it smells fantastic. So I've, I've talked about this before. My my appreciation for stouts ranges the whole spectrum. I don't like all of my stouts to be super sweet. I don't need them all to be like over the top. But every now and again, one of those sweet ones really hits the spot. Usually Barreled Souls is my go-to for a lot of those. So I just have easier access to those. But this is, I can tell just by the smell of it, this is this is going to be an amazing beer. Let's give it a shot. Can't wait for you to give it like a like a four point three five or something. No, uh, that is that is amazing. the uh, The one thing Angry Cheer does is you get all of the flavors that they describe every single time on the bottle. So this one's a, a coconut double stuffed fudge bucket. So right off the bat, you get a little bit of that coconut. So you, you, you can taste the fudge bucket, right? Do you, do you taste a lot of fudge bucket? Like, do you have a lot of experience tasting fudge bucket? <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah, yeah, it's my Friday night uh, pastime. <laughs> um, no, but you get, like, you do, a lot of times when you get something that's got, like, chocolate or fudge or something in it, you get, like, the little bitter chocolate notes in there. You get mm -hmm. actual chocolate and, like, fudge chocolate out of this. This is, this is phenomenal. Um... The coconut's a little bit more mild. I know a lot of folks would think like uh, like an almond joy or or like a mound, I guess, the one without the almonds. But man, what is the percentage on this thing? This is dangerous. It's been sitting for a year too, so it actually doesn't even sit on here. Some would say we're known for excess. That's why we didn't just stuff this beer once. We stuffed it twice and added coconut. That would be why. Doesn't say. I'm going to have to try and look it up and see what this bad boy is. But my guess is it's probably between like the 9 to 13% range. You would not know it at all. This thing is incredible. Uh, this is... I'm gonna give it a five. This is a five, like straight up and five. down. Now, to be clear, I could not have this. I couldn't sit down and have like multiple bottles of this, right? I mean, it's it is delicious, but it's definitely a dessert beer. Um, and I I sometimes think when you start getting into some of these super adjuncted, super sweet beers, you start maybe teetering on something that should be called something else, but they classify mm -hmm, it as a mm -hmm. beer, so that's what I'm rating it as, and uh, 
This is this is a five. This is a top five all time beer for me. I think this thing is top five, not five. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, damn. Uh, it is ten point five percent. Okay, yeah. So you cannot taste any of that at all. And my friends have given it uh, a a four point three rating, but the global is four five eight. So you're not you're not too yeah. too too. You know, high above the mean fanboying out there, but uh, it's, no, and this right, is, it's five. Okay. I, I went in. I went into it thinking like this was going to be too sweet, but it is like on the nose. Like I want my wife to try a glass of this just to just to see. But that coconut and that fudge, man! Like have you ever had a hankering for some chocolate, but you want a little booze to go with it? This is it, man. This is it. I'm gonna try and get my hands on. There's one that they make with Butterfinger that sounds like would be right up my alley. So. <clears throat> you ever had the Canadian Butterfinger? I have not. Yeah, it's a Canadian version of Butterfinger. It's actually not that bad. I actually like. I mean, I like regular Butterfingers just as much. But uh, now Crispy here's crunchy. here's here's one of the things I think we might need to institute into some of this is that as the show progresses and we start uh, doing these, we need to revisit some of our old scores. Look, I just gave this a five, but let's say because to this point, it's the best. Imperial stat I've ever had. Let's say a year from now, I get another angry chair. It's amazing. And I like it better than this. I can't give that a higher than a five, right? So then we would have to like No, you'd have to you'd have to make have to this revisit. one a 4.9. Yeah, we'd have to revisit our previous score. Yeah, that's what we'll do. If you ever have something that is just so amazing and it's the same kind of be like if I go back and get a another double burst next year or whatever they make that's whatever. Maybe that has to slide the scale for that particular brewery or beer. I mean, I I, I mean, did we're making check up the rules as we go. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did I did check on Taft, and I had actually rated King's Two uh, before. I gave it a three nine last time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the maybe the recipe tweak. Maybe the fact that I, you know, all the things that went on into finding it at a weird bottle shop in the middle of New Hampshire. And you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings ever. Ah, a... uh, no, 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 no. I, I think it's good. I, I right. think it's good. Hey, check this out real quick before we move on. You see this thing over my shoulder? How cool is that thing? <laughs> what the fuck is it? Oh, it's a Mr. Potato Head that is uh, the Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, it's called uh, the, you... the Yamdalorian and the Tot. Wow. That was a late that was a that was a late night chatting with the fellas, uh random fine, and then like three of us ended up ordering it. Go with Have our... you been watching the um the the Obi Wan series on Disney Plus? I've seen the first two. I've seen the first yeah, two. The third one came out today, I've not seen it yet. I am undecided I, I like so it. far. The it's it's yeah. it's better than the book of Fett. Um, which was really, well, I don't want to give any spoilers away in case people are waiting to binge any one of these, but <clears throat> it wasn't, uh, wasn't what I was expecting until about halfway through the season. And then it really turned because it turned into something that wasn't really what the initial, mm. uh, idea behind it was, but, um, uh, you know, I like, good. I like spoiling things. So I will say that in the second episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, there is a, uh, there is a scene that hit me right in the feels cause it's like. There's this guy on the street who's an old clone trooper, which, I mean, you know, if you know anything about Star Wars, you know who the clone trooper was, was modeled after, right? Boba Fett. And he's like, 
in his uniform. He's got this weird scraggly beard and everything. And he's like, he's got his helmet overturned and he's like, can you spare some credits for a veteran? And it's like, wow, that shit was yeah. so on the nose. But I was like, I see you. I see you, big corporation. I see you. For, for I those, appreciate you. For those of you guys who, uh, who are into the, the Star Wars universe and all the like spinoff stories, um, there's one, I think it's called The Red Harvest, and it's a book you can get um, like on your own, or you can get the... Uh, it's a book you can get on your own. We're not giving that shit to you. Get it well, to no, yourself. no, I was just saying, it's, it's a book you can get on your own, or you can get the Audible version of it if you wanted to. And uh, I think Star Wars Universe meets The Walking Dead. Zombie Stormtroopers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy story. It starts with a lot of uh, uh, a lot of conversation around um, the like Sith world and and some of their training philosophies and whatnot. But uh, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of those out there that I didn't realize were part of it. Like Path of Destruction, I think, is another one. Um, shout out to Marvel. Uh, but Marvel Unlimited has all of the comic books on there and the Vader series. I'll pop in and read like one or two every now and again. I had to do some beta testing for work when we revamped the app. Um, and now I find myself like casually reading some of these Vader comics. They are so badass and they show you what Vader is. So at the end of Rogue One where he just goes ham in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And everyone's cheering because you get to see him in like all of his glory. Or if you played any of the video games in uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, he goes ham at the end of that. You get to see what he's what he's capable of doing in the Force, the Force Unleashed. I think uh, the earlier yeah. games. Every time you get to see him wield all of his power, he gives you like this giddy feeling. That's everything the comic books are in every episode. He's like slaying whole armies of people, taking out Jedis. It's, it is a really good read. I actually saw a YouTube video that uh, somebody was reading like a whole stretch of them together. So uh, definitely some, some stuff out there. I think it's, it's getting a little oversaturated on the Disney Plus side of things. Um, but still very entertaining stuff. But if you want to kind of step away from, from some of the TV series, there's a lot of good books out there. And I'm a super casual... Star Wars fan. I'm not a diehard by any means, but there's a lot of entertaining stuff. True. All right. Well, don't worry. We'll talk a little bit about your little favorite movie here towards the end of the episode. That's how we'll round out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's let's talk about it. Tim. Our Celtics have made it to the NBA Finals. They beat the Heat Game Seven. Yep. One hundred to ninety-six. Holy shit! What a game! What a game! Uh, what a series! Really, when you think about it. That being said, I kind of wish they were going against the Mavs <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest, it, it, this is not exactly the easiest uh, easiest team to face. But look, I, I think there's there's a way we can do this, right? Yep. Uh, we, can, we can do just regular picks, but um, I think there's some things that the casual fan might not know about. We'll, we'll, we'll say those things, and then we'll talk about why we think the Seas can win and then why we think they cannot because we don't want to be known as homers. We have to, you know, at least – Look at it from the other side. But, Tim, I don't know if you know this. Did you know that the guy who actually bought the Warriors and brought them their first uh, title under the Steph Curry area used to be a co-owner of the Celtics? Hmm. 
I did not know that. Yes. Uh, and and he uh, he has come out and said, like, look, like, we're friends, but I want to kill them. <laughs> he's made that, he's made that, you know, and this is the owner. He's made that known and no, you know, on certain thoughts. But he talked, um, and it was a great article that Yahoo Sports had about how that 2018 taught him a lot about how to get veterans together, about drafting, about how to get people to come to the stadium, all lessons that really kind of set the modern dynasty that the Warriors are up for success. And he learned that just off of the, the 08 Celtics and, and the way that that finals and, and that, uh, that Larry Brown hmm. really just set, set, set the stage. So I can appreciate it, but it, almost to me it sounds like this guy thinks like this is his little brother like trying to you know take his cheese, and he's like, nah, it's not happening. So, you know, keep that up. Plus, Ime Udoka. I know when we when he first became the coach, there's a lot of talk, a lot of speculation. He even passed over some, for some jobs. Everyone thought he was maybe too much of a pop disciple. Holy shit. Thank you very much, Brad Stevens and whoever, Danny and everywhere, wh- whoever was in the front office at the time in leadership that was like, we're going to give this dude a shot because they stumbled out the gates, but then the dude never stopped believing in himself as a coach. Mm-hmm. He held his players accountable. In January, there's a complete turnaround. And here we are in the NBA Finals. Even had Ime gone to the Eastern Conference Finals and they had lost in seven, that would have been a great season. That would have been, holy shit, no, no first-year coach is going to be able to do that. But the amount of first-year coaches, like Emony Bates from uh, Phoenix, for example, that they took his team deep, right? Like, we have to get away from this, uh, oh, maybe these first-year coaches don't really have it. If you have if you have the knack to coach, you have the knack to coach. So that's pretty great. Also, third thing, I apologize in advance to every single fan who's going to try and buy tickets to any of the games at the Garden because that shit is not happening. No. It's just not. You're better off paying for parking and going to a bar nearby because it's going to save you about $1,000 less probably yeah. on average or even the cheapest tickets than what you're going to get at the Garden. But I love it. I absolutely love it. There's energy around this team. I said it. Um, before the season started, it just feels different. Even their midseason switch, like this team has something. Mm-hmm. Even if they get spanked by the Warriors, five games. Yep. Hey, they won one game against the Warriors. But you know, like if you look back, like in the season, they've been actually one of the teams that kind of handle the Warriors in limited spurts. So, like that's that's pretty great. So, th- those are my three things. If you don't know about the finals, y- you should know. Give me some things about the final that that you find you know uniquely interesting that people probably aren't talking about. Um, just to actually just to add on to the the Ime thing, he got passed up. He, he there's been a lot of conversations with them. Obviously, they're doing you know the finals media sprint right now, and and they actually asked him like what teams they were that passed them up, and it was actually Detroit, Indiana, and Cleveland that had all passed oh. them up. So, uh, what? Lucky for us, he seems to have kind of gotten this team. In a really good place. There's another story that came out uh, this week, actually, that that kind of talked about, um, you know, a, a few months ago, Marcus Smart came out and kind of called out some of his players during a press conference, and it caused a big stir. And instead of trying to cover it up, or uh, if there's anything they were they were doing to, you know, he he decided, okay, let's take it head on. You put it out there now, own it, but let's figure this out. End up getting everybody sat down and in a room and was like, listen, you know, everybody hears you, but those are your teammates and and they feel hurt and they kind of all got 
all got in a room together and kind of fleshed it all out, and then you saw a real change kind of happen uh, across the team. Um, I mean, I I, I kind of echo a lot of what you're you're saying as well. I'd rather have seen uh, Mavericks because we are really good at isolating. I mean, our our defense I think is is the best in the NBA, especially down the the home stretch and through the last little bit. Um, but Miami is not the Golden State Warriors. They don't have the threats coming from everywhere. They don't have three guys or two guys who can put up threes at will. Plus, Draymond Green is just constantly agitating and 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 getting under everybody's skin. And and you know he's also really good, you know, in the paint player. So, um, I think there's a lot that they have to kind of match up against. I think if they kind of stick with their game plan and and do what they did in the last game where they came out and it was basically full court pressed every time. They focused a lot on like quick transitions. Like whenever they had an opportunity to get the ball down the court, they were moving down the court very, very quickly. It was something that they went into um, as, a, as a form of game plan and they executed on that the entire game. And it was just really hard to keep up, right? As soon as they had an opportunity to get the ball down court, it was with within a few seconds somebody was down attempting to make a shot or set up a play. Uh, and I think that's really the uh, the only way that's going to work. Uh, quick timeout. My wife is here to try a glass of this so she can give us her rating. Nice. She's not going to come on camera, but she's going to take a sip and she's going to uh, to, to tell us. Give some to Charlie, too. See if Charlie gives it a, you know. Lean over here a little bit. She's all ready for bed, so she doesn't want to be on camera. <laughs> But uh, on a scale of one to five, what would you get? And mind you, uh, reminds me of something. And I her 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 favorite beer of, <laughs> of all time is uh, is a Guinness Drought, which is like mm. coffee flavored water. So that's her benchmark. So one through five, what would you give that? I don't. I, I think I've already proved that I. It's okay. <laughs> Sorry, we'll work on it. I worked on Sam and we got him dialed in a little bit. But I remember if you guys are super generous with your points. Um, when it comes to anger chair, everything's a fucking five. Not everything. Uh mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've only had two on here. And the first one wasn't a five, I don't think. Anyway, no pressure. You can't get it wrong. We make up the rules as we go, so. Seven five. Get out. Set low or high. <laughs> get out. I'm gonna edit that part out. That part is no longer part of this podcast. Three, get seven, I gave five, it a five. I gave it a five. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm trying to play it safe. Three point seven five. What was the last beer I gave a three seven five to? Oh, Damn. see you guys. Damn, get out of the hot seat. Okay. Kyle's in. She's a better podcast host. Let's go. <laughs> Generous with your point system, then. It's really good. I just didn't want to give it a five. If you've a never three given a five. is a completely middle of the road average beer. Oh, okay. That's a, a one is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Three is medium. Five is amazing. And this is, okay. in terms of sweet stouts, the best sweet stout I've ever had. So it got a five. Two to five. I'm impressed. Yeah. All right. I'll. I'll, I'll. <laughs> she already gave it a three. She's not impressed with the beer. <laughs> I thought I was being nice. <laughs> <laughs> what did I give a th I, I gave something a, well, like a I three like and a half it. before. I like it anyways. You can <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's too late to edit it out. It's part of the podcast now. But uh, I do like it for what it's worth. Okay, you want to revise your score real quick? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. 4.25. 4.25. All right. That's that's pretty much close to what the average score was on a uh, four five. Was I think the average? Yeah, what would you give a Guinness? Yeah. A five? Don't. <laughs> Don't knock my nitro cold brew. I won't, but what would you give a Guinness? I can't give a five. I, that, Below, I, higher, or lower than this? Not in terms of, like, you could be honest. Know, it's it's higher. higher. A higher? <laughs> it's just so good. I love you. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> good night. My, my time here is done. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> 3.75. Get out of here. Oh, oh my God, this is one of the best nope. stouts I've ever... Oh, by the way, Kyle, it's a, that's a 10% beer you just drank. Go. <laughs> She's buzzed already. She doesn't... What she's saying doesn't count anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to give a... Five more minutes, she's going to give a Guinness Cold Brew Nitro a five. The 5.3, yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, I guess we know you're definitely going to edit this podcast tonight and not go to bed because of how mad you are. <laughs> Three, seven, five. Out of your mind. All right. Uh, I love her, though. She's, she's cute. Right. Let's, let's get back into this here. Sorry. Sorry, uh, sorry okay. for the segue. She, she came in. I, I sent her a text. But uh, back no, to the Celtics. Um, mm. I think as long as Tatum is playing well, uh, he's aggressive. Yeah, let's, let's get into that. Let's start with why you think the Celtics can win. Because you do think they can win. I do. Uh, in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a tough match. I think it's going to go six or seven games no matter what. Um, yeah. If Tatum can come out and play aggressive, meaning he's taking his shots... Uh, it'll open up the court a little bit for Smart and Brown to get in and make some points. Um, but it does rely on him playing aggressive and being productive with those aggressive plays. He can't just come out and, and throw them up just to draw you know, double coverage. He needs to actually convert a lot of those into points. Brown has turned into you know not just the second man on the team, but he's turned into... You know, a pillar of that team, and the same thing with with Marcus Smart. They've got a bunch of bench guys who who have come out and really performed very well, uh, especially in that last series. So, I think if they come out and they kind of stick to the same game plan, make sure they're not giving Steph any you know wide open shots, making sure they're you know keeping a body on him and and kind of spying Tristan wherever he ends up. Um, they got a really good chance. They they did a good job when Hero came in. Everyone thought that that was going to be a turning point, sort of like a, a galvanizing moment for the Heat, and they ended up neutralizing him a little bit. They got a little sloppy towards the middle of that game to the, the third quarter of that game where they blew a pretty aggressive lead as soon as Butler started turning it on. But I don't know if I, if I think they have someone with the same aggressive mannerisms that Jimmy Butler has where... If the three is not available, he's going in and he's going to try and take it in. I mean, they rely yeah. very heavily on the three. So if you can, if you can, you know, guard the perimeter and keep Draymond in check uh, in in the paint, I think I think they stand a pretty good chance. As long as again, as long as Tatum, I think, uh, has productive minutes every time he's out there and plays aggressive. He can't he can't be conservative at all. They need every every no, you, point they possibly can. Yep. There's there's going to be. Um, and not to use like the fight game as an example, but there are going to be nights where every punch you throw lands, and you might be thinking, "Oh, I got the knockout here." Does not matter. This the, the Warriors, you know, have a team that 
has a ton of depth, which is what I, well, I'll get into. Why I don't think the Celtics could win. But uh, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Tatum's got to be aggressive. It's very, very important. Um, I will say, though, Coach Kerr, fantastic coach. Ime, knock off the old block. Really, like, to have, like, there is something about the coaches that were players that is just really, really good. Uh, and I think that's really going to help them. Um, I mean, and who knows, you know, as far as like why the Celtics can win, like maybe Stevens knew something, Brad Stevens knew something that we didn't when he drafted all these players, because think about that, all the, all the trade talk. And there was trade talk, even on this podcast, right? Oh, maybe we should split Tatum and Brown. Maybe they're at the end of the road. Maybe they're not going to get, you know, we should get something now while we can, Mm -hmm. right? They stuck with it and look where they are now. This is what's peaking at the right time. When you think about it, They, they didn't exactly face the easiest road to get here. Um, they had to face the Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat. Yep. Right now, one of those teams is the defending NBA champion. The other one is a a knockoff Golden State Warriors, like super team that just didn't have all three people playing. Um, and the Heat has been their boogeyman for years. So that has made this team super tough and resilient. And I think what you were talking about earlier, if Brown or other people on the team make mistakes, you know they're going to be rectified quickly. You might get that ass beat by the Golden State Warriors. You know, game one or game two, and you and you might you might think, all right, cool, they're they're going to fix it because defensively they are really good. Uh, they, they they are probably one of the best defensive teams that's in the league. Now, I also think you got to take a look at the way that the schedule is going to be laid out, which is why I think it's advantageous for the Celtics. They have the injuries right now with uh, with Williams. Um, Horford has, you know, has been in the league 15 years, and this is his first NBA Finals. Like he's got a lot of tread on the tires left. But I'm sure he's also pretty worn down. And he had that one 40-point game, and then, you know, you've seen what's happened the rest of the series. They're both great players. But that big, brash, brawl-like style that the Celtics mm-hmm. play is not going to be that great against a guy like Iguodala and Draymond, who want the smoke anyways, and either one of the Splash Brothers, who are now healthy, which is not a good look, right? So mm-hmm. that only games three and four have less than two days completely off rest so as long as you can stay in the mix right and you split the series and you don't get into a 3-1 situation health should come back to celtics way there's gonna be people who are banged up smarts banged up he's got an ankle that he's gonna play through and he gave you know a nice little quip today during the media like you know mom always told you to play through it if, if you're hurt like you know kind of suck it up kind of thing like i agree but this is the first title run that you're on since 2008, that you have a legitimate shot to win, maybe just manage some minutes. And if the this, this series goes to seven, it goes to seven. In, in the immortal know, words like, of uh, the one ASAP Rocky, uh, mama ain't raised no bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think that's good too. But like, again, you're not going against the Mavericks. You're going against the Warriors, the team that has pedigree and depth anyway. So but the one thing I like, and this is my final point about why I think the Celtics can win, they have a thirst for this. Mm-hmm. They've heard all the trade talk, uh, and they're out to make this championship run different than the one that happened in 2008, which is good. But I think like everyone is like kind of holding like you know their breath, just being like, "Well, they made it, but it's the Warriors." And then what, there was that stat that came out that said that uh, a certain um, basketball power index gave the Celtics like an 86 percent chance to win. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. It had to be fake. Did, did someone like? No, nah, I mean yeah. I. I like I wh- when I look at the matchups, you you understand what the Golden State Warriors are, but 
Let's not pretend that they haven't come in and, and lost in like this type of game before. Yeah, have they been there a ton? Yeah, they're like the the Patriots of the NBA. I mean, they're just perennial contenders every year, and you always got to worry about them. But this Celtics team, uh, especially as of late, has a lot in their favor that uh, could cause problems for any team. I don't care who's on the other side of it. I mean, you said Iguodala and Green. Okay, those are two guys who like to get in and play rough, but you've got Brown, you've got, uh, you've got Marcus Smart are two guys that'll match up with them, and then they have three guys that come in off the bench who are more than willing to get in and get up close and get dirty and get rough, and they'll draw penalties and they'll shoot, uh, they'll get up and, and they'll make three, uh, free throws at at any point in this match so i don't see uh, i don't necessarily question curry's defensive ability he's he's got quick hands he's got you know uh, a pretty good mindset in terms of putting himself in positions to make um plays difficult for the opposing team but he isn't that like hardcore i'm gonna jump up and make blocks i'm gonna run you down he's like I'm going to cause a problem and be an annoyance in front of you, and I might strip the ball out of your hands, but he's not going up and, and making defensive plays. But, like, there's there's several guys on the Celtics team who are willing to go up and do that, Tatum included. Like, Tatum will chase you down. He'll bat a ball away. He'll get involved in the, on the rebound and, and the defensive side. Um, so I think in terms of defense, it favors the Celtics. My only concern is just when those guys get hot, you have – two guys who can drop threes from pretty much anywhere on the court. Uh, I mean, literally anywhere on the court. I've seen them make those shots from the half-court line. I've seen them make them over the half-court. I mean, it's those guys can put them up. So if they get hot and they just start dropping those buckets, then, you know, that's really going to be... I don't, I don't want to get into a shooting match where it's just threes on threes on threes because we'll lose that game. But... You see yeah, this? Yeah, there it is. You see this tweet? This this tweet came from a very very reputable outlet. I won't I won't go ahead and uh, and name it, but I think that someone had the someone had the Twitter password. Chance to win the NBA Finals. Celtics eighty six percent. Warriors fourteen percent. According to this particular Basketball Power Index. No way. No fucking way. I mean, I eighty six percent. Maybe like fifty five forty five, but eighty six percent. Right, we should. We should. Eighty six percent. I don't know how to file my fucking taxes or or how to. You play should. You should read through it real quick. Give us the the too long didn't read version. Because I trust, oh, no. No, I no. trust the back end of that information. Because uh, I may or may not know those people personally. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you ask them. Because I don't, I don't want to do it here. But uh, keep going. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I, I, if it gets into a shooting match, if they get away from their game, yeah, I, I think it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, do we have guys who can make threes? Yeah, but not quite at the same level as what Golden State can. Um, statistically, we rank better defensively, um, but. You know, nobody beats the the Golden State Warriors in in the the three point percentage range. So, I think as long as we stick to our game plan, we stick to the same game plan we had going into the the Heat series with the added, you know, awareness of uh, you know Tristan and and Curry obviously lurking like snipers out on the ends. I think I think we have a better chance than what we may be giving them credit for. I mean, I'm not writing them off. I, I don't necessarily think... I'm not sold on the idea that they're going to lose it in, in five games. I think this is going to be a competitive series. And I think uh, 
but I think it's going to go the, the stretch. It's going to be a, a six or seven game stretch. And I think it could be yeah. an, honestly a toss up. It's going to come down to who has the better defense on paper. That's the Celtics. If Tatum can piggyback off of that and put up some pretty big numbers and Brown can work uh, in sort of that, uh, that support slot, or if it's a situation where they're doubling Tatum and he's not able to get open, you have Brown and Smart and, and some of those other guys who are able to really take the lead and, and step up, then they got a better chance than I think a lot of people, you know, fan-wise, are giving them credit for. So I'd, I'd, I'd give a little credence to that. I don't know. I'd love to know where that 86% comes in. Um, I'm sure it's all in there and, and, and explained, but without reading it. Uh, yeah. Uh, you hot know, take. I, Damn, we're all about hot takes here. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think they have a better than average chance to, to win it. Um, but, you know, it's kind of one of those where if they didn't, would I be absolutely shocked? No. Anytime you're going up against the Warriors, it's it's tough. But on the on the flip side of that, the Warriors are a team that have been around for quite a while now. They're not a new thing. They're, you know, to figure out. I don't want to say they're a one-trick pony, but they kind of becoming a one-trick pony where it's, you got the ball handling of, of Curry and, and the threes from those two, and you got Draymond just constantly agitating everybody. So, for better or worse, they are kind of shaping up to be a little one-trick pony. If you can game plan against that, you got a little bit of a chance. A little bit of a chance. But th- this is the thing, though. For, for me, this is why I don't think the Celtics can win this series. Um, this is the fight of their life. The Bucks were down Middleton. The Heat took them to a potential game-leading three in game... Oh, sorry, series, you know, win in game seven with a three-point to go with for the lead, and they miffed it, right? And then the the Nets weren't themselves, which I think we all thought it was going to happen in the beginning because you put that many superstars on a team and some stuff, like, you know, doesn't just add up. So let's not forget that, like, they've had a murderer's row to get here, but they didn't face all the murder. You know what I mean? If, if this was like the uh, the Mortal Kombat like line on the way up, it was randomized and they didn't face all the super tough players. Like they faced some tough teams for sure. They were able to isolate, break down, how to take victories. But like, there's a lot of basketball they played in this postseason. Okay, that has to catch up to them at some point. Yep. It really does. And let's not forget that the Golden State Warriors' second coming of their death squad with Jordan Poole, you know, Otto Porter Jr. Wiggins, Tristan Thompson, like you're talking about, it's for good reason. They can, at will, have two separate starting fives if they wanted to. Curry's on one, Clay's on the other. They don't need to worry about minutes, whereas Boston, their prime starting five, needs to be on the floor every single night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different. I, I think that because Golden State's core hasn't splintered, they've kept most of the coaches uh, in-house, they had the championship pedigree, their depth's impeccable. I think it's going to be a title fight to the death for, you know, a fight that the Celtics aren't necessarily the favorites in my in my mind. I, I think the Celtics could win, but it has to go to seven. I, I said earlier in, like, you know, my, hey, who would you like to see Celtics in six? I don't think the Celtics can win in six. I, I just think there's too much firepower on the Golden State team to make me think if the Heat took them to seven, the Warriors have to take them to seven, or they, they have to go to seven in order to have a shot. That, that's my thought on that. So what is your final prediction then? <clears throat> Uh, Boston 4-3. I'm very confused as are our listeners because it very much sounded like you just said that they weren't going to win this. Yeah, I think, I think <laughs> if they have a shot to win, 
if they have a shot to win, it's going to be in game seven. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Cause like just whatever, whatever reason, Boston just, we talked about this. They just, they just love playing those elimination games. I have no idea why. Just yeah. go and do your business. But like both teams have put out this thing, which is just like cringeworthy. Oh, only four more games. Are you fucking kidding me? There's no way that either one team sweeps in this series. So right, get that out of your head. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So like, don't, don't be like, oh, only four more games to go before you raise the layer of Brian. No, 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 no. And I think the Warriors no. are minus 150 to win. Yeah. So they are the, the favorite going into it. But one of the responses to uh, Center's post was uh, from DraftKings. Because the, the Sports Center posted the the eighty six percent chance to win, and DraftKings Sportsbook just responded with "gonna have to disagree there," <laughs> and then they posted yeah. the uh, the odds. So, um, what's my prediction gonna be? I'm gonna say s- trying to trying to remove fandom here. I feel like. This is going to be one of those surprise series where the Celtics are going to come out and, do, and fare better than what we gave them credit for. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Celtics in six. But it's going to hinge off of what the first game is. Damn. Yeah. If, if they come yeah, you, you got to come out they, and you got to punch a motherfucker in the mouth. You if if they come out and they get blown out, it's going to kind of deflate them a little bit and it's going to be a little bit of a tougher fight. If they come out and they play a competitive game, win or lose... I think that sets the stage for the rest of the series. Yeah, so I would agree. Before seeing the first game play, I'm going to go Celtics and six. That's right. The game does start tomorrow. The series does start tomorrow, so I, I think that's that's good. Um, Gang Green for eighteen on Twitter. Once he put this thread out, he, she, they. I'm not sure who it is. Maybe in a non-account. Uh, casting the eventual miracle type Disney movie chronicling the historic Celtics run. A thread, coach. Ime Udoka, played by Idris Elba. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fucking great. Uh, the star role, Michael B. Jordan as Jason Tatum. Yes? Too big. Yeah. He's too big. No, uh, he uh, come on. Actors do this all the time. They, they drop weight. Um, Donald Glover, also known as Childish Gambino, as Jalen Brown. Fucking spot on. Absolutely. Would love to see it. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield as Marcus Smart, also great pick. Keegan Michael Key as Al Horford. I'm already here for this. I need to see it. Yeah, okay. The dude is always playing at Jogazer to, to play a super tall, uh, quiet veteran. Oh, just would kill to see it. Uh, Winston Duke as Robert Williams III. Winston Duke uh, in Baku from uh, Black Panther. Yep, totally can see that. Uh, Jonathan Majors as Grant Williams. Grant Williams. Very important role player this season. Not well known. This is a crazy thing to me. Tom Holland as Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard, the little short, shorter, white dude with the bus cut. Looks like Paul Wall playing basketball <laughs> in the court. Ah, fucks, but I think it's pretty good. And then Michael Ely as Derek White. Yeah, that's that's pretty great as well. Um, bonus, who's going to play Brad Stevens? John Mulaney. Yeah, good see it. I don't know if that would happen, but if, if they do go on a miracle run, they win the championship. Netflix, Hulu, everyone you're hearing this, listen to this podcast, make it happen, make it happen. I did forget a, a shout-out to, to Robert Williams, but him and uh, Grant Williams have been... Uh, They've been off and on. Fantastic the last... Uh, during the Heat series, they both. 
off the yeah. bench. It's like when one plays, the other one doesn't, right? So you're just kind of like, Ugh, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, Tim. Let's uh, let's talk a little. Let's talk a little golf, okay? okay. Kind of the match is going on right now, but can, can we just take a quick segue. This whole Super League bullshit. Now they have their first event coming up in London called the Live Invitational. If anyone is from America, you know that Live is a club in Miami that's pretty cool. Where like you know Bad Bunny and like Rick Ross and DJ Khaled go to hang out. So like, why would you call it that? Backed by the Saudis, I don't really know. Uh, but Dustin Johnson was on the list of players that like twenty five mm. players that they released. Um, like Lee Westwood and other you know people who play in the PGA that are essentially giving up their PGA eligibility. Um, and they've been rumored to been given about a hundred million dollars to appear and play in this tournament. And the PGA is like, yeah, you guys are done. You're burned to us. Like you're out. Dustin Johnson is not like, if you would have thought of all the players that like probably would have done this, like Bill was like one of those, right? Cause he was like kind of open about it till he took some heat for making his reckless comments. Bryson Brooks. Those were definitely some of the people like Dustin Johnson, like a two time majors winner. Just, spurning the PGA. And some of these players who have been asked about it, they said, I have to do what's best for my family. And I completely get that. To a point. Golf is not a game that you make a ton of money in anyways, unless you're kind of in it for the long haul or you have the endorsement. So, like, if it's just straight, I mean, someone give you $100 million like to leave your job, like, yeah, you probably would. Mm. I get that. But if you're a two-time champion, that's kind of where I think I draw the line a little bit. If you're competing for it, but you, something happens or you don't make the cut, like, all right, cool, I get it. You want to you wanna make your 15 minutes as, last as long as possible. Two-time majors winner, Dustin Johnson, makes zero sense. There's yeah. no way he and Paulie Negreski don't have the money to live. It's not possible. Yeah. Right? Uh, Schwartzel is, is going over, too. I, I would be... I, I, don't, I don't think the PJ is going to boot any of these folks. There's too many of them, like Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. Yeah. He's a good golfer too, Lee Westwood. So I don't, I don't think the PJ is going to bounce them. I don't quite know like what this is going to end up being, or what this is going to mean overall. Um, but it is kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? You have two competing events. One, you know, unfortunately. All of the backing they've gotten from Phil and his negative comments have come out as as and, and kind of put a negative light on a lot of it. And I think it's kind of soured everyone's thoughts or at, at least their expectations on what this is going to be. Now everyone's sort of pitted against the PGA, partly because Phil kind of drove that narrative. But, you know, some of these guys have come out and said that they have nothing against the PGA. It just seems like a, a great opportunity to grow the, the sport. Um I, for one, haven't looked into it enough. I just know sort of the political and social reputation of places like Saudi Arabia and, and the way that a lot of their uh, citizens and, and a large portion of their citizens are treated, and I don't necessarily agree with that. So from a political and social standpoint, I have a hard time backing something like that. But, I mean, I'm not... Everyone's circumstances are a little different. Um, we... You know, all these players aren't necessarily going to come out and tell us the reasoning as to why they decided to do it. A lot of it is financial. Some of it might be because they're curious to see what it is. And maybe there's a few of them who think they can get in and help drive some social change. Like, we haven't considered that, and that hasn't been part of the conversation on anybody's behalf. You know, Trojan horse your way in. Start start 
playing on a <laughs> on a tour for for uh, a country like that and then you know once you're in you start having those conversations what are they gonna, they're gonna boot you out for having those i don't know maybe maybe there's some folks going into that with some some good expectations i just think unfortunately given the 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 social repu uh the social rep <laughs> reputation of saudi arabia and how they treat some of their citizens on top of the way phil has kind of aggressively approached this versus the pga I think it's kind of created a narrative that I don't know if it would have come naturally. I mean, there are some people who would have questioned it one way or the other, and there's some folks who have definitely viewed this as sort of a slap in the face to the PGA, who, you know, in most people's minds have treated people pretty well. So I don't know, it'll be interesting, but given the list of folks that are there, I can't imagine all these folks are going to be banned from playing in the PGA event. I can't imagine that happening. Like, they're not going to ban Dustin Johnson from playing in the PGA. But, uh, yeah. Well, I we'll see. They probably won't. I, I, I think Phil Phil gets that ban. What one, I think he was already playing on the Champions League and and was only getting involved in some of the, the big majors anyway. And I think because of some of his comments they may have used that as an excuse to kinda move on from Phil, if you will, but they're not gonna do that with some of these young guys who are out, you know. And I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. During the off season you see guys playing in the, the European League all the time. There's no problem there. This this just is like an augment to that it's the you know it's it's the middle eastern pga we'll call it uh which you know if we're looking at it strictly from a sport perspective and a business perspective how is it that much different from the european tour and we don't we don't blink an eye when uh we see some of these european players playing over there we see other players playing in some of those tournaments so this shouldn't be treated any different but Got that political and social background that kind of taints it a little bit, unfortunately. For sure. Um, all right. Now the match is still going on, or did it finish? Still going on. Still going on. I'm waiting for uh, a scoring update. Uh, ever recorded because I want to hear a lot of this conversation. This is actually one of the more uh, verbally entertaining ones because it's like they... the waste management, but it's you know. Yeah. So uh, for anybody who's not familiar. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady paired up against Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my God. Bill's quarterback. Uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they're all mic'd up and everything. You have Charles Barkley, JJ Watt, um, Ernie Ells, who's a PGA pro. Uh, all providing the commentary for a lot of this. And the trash talk has been great because everyone's mic'd up. To set the tone, at the start of this, I don't think the the golfers knew the mics were on. So Tom Brady was late to the tee because he got lost driving the cart around. So it took him a second to get out there. So they're making jokes about that. But when he drives up, he goes up and gives Aaron a, a fist bump. And on live television on TNT, he says, let's fuck him up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, oh, and we're off. Oh, and we're off and running. So that was, there have uh, been some, that was a good there one. There have been some hilarious, memeable moments um, that have gone so far. So, like, they, they had, like, the little uh, commentary with, like, J.J. Watt earlier. But in a run-up, like, there was a clip that they played this week where Brady said something like, 
Ty, you know, to Patrick, like Tyreek left you. Don't worry, Stefan's gonna leave you to Josh Diggs. You know, Josh Allen about <laughs> Stefan Diggs, and uh, yeah. and he's like, you know, Stefan's gonna leave you. Tyreek already left you, uh, and he's like, Mike has never left me. The shade he threw at Julian Edelman, saying Mike Evans has never left me, but Julian Edelman didn't leave you either, homeboy. You left him. So you know what I mean? Like, that's not cool. That's not cool, Tom. Yeah. Epic level of shit talk. I think it's I think it's pretty yeah, it's, good. It's, it's been great. It's not without its awkward moments. So previously these match tournaments have had a PGA golfer and a professional golfer. The one thing I like about this is that it's super, super relatable. Because while they're good at golf, because they're wealthy and can spend a lot of time golfing, they have so many just absolutely relatable moments, like Patrick Mahomes opening a beer on the second or third hole because he was like, all right. And, you know, J.J. Watt calling it swing juice, which I have used that exact word before. To, exactly. To Tom Brady hearing the critique from Ernie Els and how to fix it and trying to do that on the next shot. And shanking it almost parallel, I mean, almost horizontally into the to the next fairway, and calling out Ernie. He's like, "Yeah, great advice, Ernie. Thank you for that." Uh, <laughs> but the fact that these guys are missing fairways all over the place, uh, Mahomes uh, has has been playing pretty well, but him and Josh Allen have hit it long every time, uh, oh, approaching the green because you know they're not professional golfers; they don't have it dialed in. But it's uh, it's. It, it's it's entertaining to watch. Um, you know, I'm a little bummed we had to record the podcast because I was I was having fun oh, watching bummer. it. So I'm recording. Did it. you record it? It's recording. Of course, it's recording. So I'll go back. I'll I'll go back and watch it afterwards. But it's it's worth a watch. Uh, if you have YouTube TV, go in quickly. Go in and, and hit the record button on it, and it'll backtrack all the way to the start of it, so you can catch it all. But again, it's on TNT. All all tied up going into the twelfth hole, which is the final hole. Yep. Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers flashing a little bit of personality. You thought he lost a little bit since the start of COVID when he's sort of taken on this special douchebag moniker that he's he's become fond of. My wife even pointed out today, she's like, something's got to be wrong there with him, right? It's like the it's like the girl that's perpetually single and she starts calling all the guys crazy, right? They the, the ones that have a bunch of relationships and they're always like, oh, well, all guys are assholes and they're all crazy. At some point, you reach a threshold where you're going to be like, well, could it literally be all of these guys? Or maybe we got to start looking internally and wondering, like, with some self-reflection, is there something going on? Because the man has, like, disowned his family. Uh, mm. He's separated from his longtime girlfriend now. Right? Did, did they finally separate? I know they were gonna... Oh, yeah, they they his fiance. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. broke it off. Yep. So they were separated, and now he's uh, on the Pat McAfee show, just spouting whatever. Like, there's, there's a little, you know, gonna be a little douchebaggery floating around there somewhere that's... It, that's it's, becoming... it's his redemption tour. He's just, he just chooses to do it the way he does it. Look, it's a redemption some the, tour. Some of, the, some of the greatest things that have happened was just the epic level of shit talk, so... If you haven't seen it, you definitely want to make sure that if it's on on demand, you go you go and watch it, right? Because like um, Patrick said at some point that in in you know like what's your greatest fear? And he's like, I don't know, but I bet Josh's is like winning a coin toss because like of the Bills <laughs> losing the coin toss in yeah. the postseason, okay? And Josh Allen handed a golf ball to Brady with his, with Brady's combine photo on it, okay? And then thirty minutes later, Brady magically had a ball with a Lombardi trophy on it. And he said, hey, Josh, have you ever seen one of these? 
<laughs> just like just just absolutely yeah. beautiful, man. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Like he talking had, about like you know, he, uh, Brady chunked one at one point. Hit it a little left, uh-huh. and he goes, uh, "He's like ah, hit that one a little uh, a little chunky." He's like, "Or as I like to call it, I uh, hit a little Josh Alleny." <laughs> <laughs> At one point, it was, like, quiet, uh, and it, I don't know if it was meant to be, like, aired out, because it, it, but, uh, they were saying, when they were introducing everybody, and they say, here's Josh Allen, who was four years old when Tom Brady first started playing, and Josh Allen goes, was he that, uh, was I that old? And then, uh, a couple of things went back and forth, and then, like, yeah, it's something about baby fat, and then you can hear, I, I don't know if it was Brady or Rogers in the background be like he still has his baby fat <laughs> <laughs> this is the match that we wanted to see we didn't want to see you know golfers talking shit we want to see elite athletes uh talking shit and and, and making the golf you know so which, you know, which I, we I didn't did get not. any shit talking with phil and tiger i thought that was like i bet if you got tiger I mean, now on. you would come probably on. get more shit talking he seems to like really open up and become more social phil was a little bit more like delicate than I was expecting, but I was I really thought the two of them were gonna kinda get what they what they should have done is okay. they should they should have the live broadcast or the regular broadcast. But they should and like offer a pay-per-view. an uncensored pay per view so you can hear the real shit talk that goes on and there's no commercial breaks, so it just literally goes unedited all the way through. That would be spectacular. I would pay for that. I know yeah. the shit I talk. I I, I I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I am a good shit talker when it comes down to it. Uh, but I would love to hear some of these guys, some of these professionals, like really shit talk each other. Imagine if these guys were unfiltered and could say whatever they wanted to each other. Be oh, amazing. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. I'd, I'd pay. I'd pay money for it. And you could donate all to charity. All right, let's wrap up this episode of Assassin's Podcast. Um, <clears throat> the Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder. And Roger Goodell have been asked to testify at the end of this month pertaining to the investigation um, into workplace harassment and, you know, verbal abuse, everything that happened, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think that the league has done as much as they could to keep this stuff under wraps. But now, mm-hmm. because Snyder was supposedly hiding revenue from the rest of the league, I guarantee this is probably going to be one of the final, if not the final nail in the coffin for that man. Mm -hmm. And the Washington commanders will be owned by someone else here by this time next year. I I really do think that that's a possibility. Um, Look, the the NFL has always been able to keep people at bay and just say, no, we're not going to turn over documents. We're going to release what we want. Then after that judge definitely ruled sort of in Gruden's favor, saying that there were some discriminate emails that probably came out to ruin his character. There have been a lot of L's racking up for the NFL lately. Mm-hmm. Now the NFL has to go in front of Congress. It's never good when you get called in front of Congress. It's just not. But who was the bigger fish there? It's Dan Snyder. So who is going to cop a plea deal? That's probably Roger Goodell. That's what I'm thinking here. You know, this whole thing started from a Washington Post report on workplace misconduct. Yep. And you look into it, how they treated the cheerleaders, how they treated their their fans. Um revenue sharing that they, they held from the team, everything, right? And now they're trying to do as much as possible. They bought 200 acres worth of land like 20 minutes from me, just down the road hmm. uh, in a new developing town. And I think they're using that as leverage to try and get like 
stadium rights either redone in DC or you know get a you know a better deal at Landover. And you know, shout out to Nate. I I feel bad for the fans because the fans don't deserve this. They don't deserve Snyder and his back alley dealings. Right. Now he's really just ruthlessly ran this team. <clears throat> like I'd be happy to see something for the Commanders to be competitive this year. And uh, and their fans don't deserve Dan Snyder. Their fans deserve a good owner who's going to progress the team and yep. actually bring the best. And I think that this is one of the worst things that could happen for the Dan Snyder-owned Washington Commanders, formerly yep. Washington football team, formerly um, the, the team that shall not be named. Right. Uh, this is a team that had won Super Bowls back in the day, and they've gone through a ton of shit. And yet here we are. You got called into the Matic Congress, dude. Did, I mean, do a quick Google search. Did the Patriots get called into Congress for Deflategate? I don't think they did, right? Everyone was like, everyone had thought about it, especially congressmen and women from the great state of Massachusetts, but no one got called into the mat, right? Right. Now they're pretty much like, hey, guess what we're doing? You know, we can't really figure out how we're going to like balance the budget. There's the formula shortage. We're trying to figure out how much we're going to, you know, fund for Ukraine. But you know what you're doing on the 22nd? You're coming to see us because we got a lot of questions about how you run your business. Like, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. But, uh, but if this ends up where they force us due to sell the team and the, the valuation is around like four bill around the same like that the, the, the Denver Broncos are. At this point, just give Jeff Bezos the team. You know what I mean? Just like <laughs> I need, I, I need it to happen. I need it to happen. All right. So, uh, one other thing. Well, we got two more things real quick. We'll get through them very fast. Uh, right now, the New York Rangers are up over Tampa six to two. You love to see it. It's game one in the conference finals. Uh, I said Tampa the whole time was the team I was worried about the most. The fact that they're struggling and getting their asses handed to them right now, mm -hmm. I'm here for mm -hmm. it. Uh, even if it is uh, the Rangers that's doing it, because you know. Did you see that the Avs Oilers game last night? I did not. It was like eight six. No, I missed it. I uh, I was on the go all day yesterday, so I'm teaching my kid how to. Well, I'm learning to fly fish, and last night it was ninety four degrees, ninety degrees or something mm -hmm. like that here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So we live close to a river. Uh, the Farmington River, if anybody's familiar with Connecticut, is uh, an amazing stretch of water that goes from like Massachusetts all the way down to the ocean. And uh, it comes through my little town, and it's like super clean water. Uh, it hits a dam right in the middle of our town that they used to fill up. Uh, and you, there's, I think buried underneath is a floating slalom and ski jump that... Uh, Caitlyn Jenner, as uh, he is now known, used to. That's where they learned to do all of their ski jumps during their Olympic period. So, wow. Uh, there's a hydroelectric dam. That, there was an old dam that they've converted into a hydroelectric dam that's getting turned on. So they're in the process of like, draining that all out. But where that dam hits, it sort of holds up the water long enough to warm up. So the backside of that is like from there down is super comfortable swimming so and great fishing so i was down yesterday fly fishing catching fish teaching my son how to fly fish and swimming around being like a, a little country family like we we're we we're like i don't know one golden retriever away from being a picture perfect country song uh <laughs> but yeah I, I didn't see any of the sports last night but uh the rangers are uh taking care of business right now 
It's six to two with eight minutes left in the third. That's how aggressive this is Ooh. right now. But could happen. Yeah. Could happen. Um, and finally, Sam, is the time Ugh. of reckoning. Ugh. So Sam is one of those I, I, guys that, for no particular reason, seems to hate Top Gun. Mm-hmm. For no reason. Not one in which you have been able to provide me that makes any sense. And the fact that prior to us starting this podcast, you said you're really enjoying the show Supernatural. I'm really starting to question your uh, your entertainment choices. Uh, and I know, and the rest of our audience knows, you're also a fervent Bachelor uh, viewer. So, 100%. I think what all this is starting to add up to is like your sliding beer scale. There's some questionable decisions that go into your entertainment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw a film last week. Twice, actually. First, Twice? Yeah, yeah. I went by myself the first time to see it. I saw it in IMAX. I saw it uh, at like 3 in the afternoon. I wanted no interruptions. It was, it was fantastic. And then my sister-in-law and her three kids, they were all going to go see it. And they had asked before I went and saw it if I wanted to see it. So I ended up seeing it with them in like a, a regular theater. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is fucking incredible. It is, mm. as a standalone movie, amazing. But if you are at all a fan of the original or even have like a loose understanding of what the original was or you've seen it, they've sprinkled just enough nostalgia into this movie that I went into it thinking like, okay, this is going to go one or two ways. It's going to be great. Or they're going to screw it up the way they did, uh, the most recent star Wars trilogy where they literally just like copy and pasted, uh, was it the last hope and just reskinned it in, in new CGI with new characters. That is not at all what this is. It's not at all what this is. Uh, I know everyone's like, Oh, it's even got a beach volleyball scene. It actually has a reason and a purpose in this one. And it's not volleyball. They call it, uh, what do they call it? It was, it was like, a, it's a, it's a form of football where you play offense and defense at the same time. But without small, there was a purpose to it. Whereas before it was just this weird moment in like an eighties movie where you just wanted to see four guys sweating in shape playing well. There was, it was definitely a callback to the original movie, but there was a, a definite purpose to it here, and it serves its purpose well. Um, but overall, like, I, I, I told you guys the story of the, why I like the first movie so much. It's got the nostalgia value with my dad and I, when my mom and my sister would leave the house, we'd pull the chairs up and whatever. So going into this movie, uh, I don't know if this is, a, it's not really a spoiler, but it, it's a moment within the first five seconds of the movie. Like, from the title screen, there's a moment that happens. Or like, you, you're going to see it. I know you're going to see it. You won't tell me that you saw it, but I know you're going to see it. Uh, as you're watching it, if you've seen the original, you'll know what it is within five seconds. And it's enough that, like, not only did I get this big shit-eating grin on my face... But I actually got like teary-eyed for a brief moment, just like oh, with the nostalgia. Enough with that. With the nostalgia yeah, of it, it wasn't like me clapping or like anything stupid like that. But it immediately gave me the same exact feeling of when I was a kid sitting in a chair with my dad, which was like, oh shit, 
And then throughout the movie, they sprinkled in again enough of the nostalgia in there that this isn't like Tom Cruise's like typical role. This isn't giving anything away. He's not some cocky asshole in this movie. He doesn't come in like I am the best of the best. He comes in and is like, you know, understanding that this is the end of the line. Like they don't like pilots like that aren't a thing anymore. But it is uh it is phenomenal. And the effort they went into to develop the cameras for the the uh airplanes and the fact that every one of those actors went through like a rigorous flight training so that they are everything you see is a real plane and them in the actual plane. They're not flying right. any of it. The only exception for flying is there's a scene with a, a P-51 Mustang that is actually Tom Cruise flying it. He's a pilot. So he's actually flying the plane and in the back seat, uh, the the woman from the movie, everyone's going to be like, oh, well, what happened to the original? Penny. There's a tie to the original movie. Penny is the, the love interest in this one. Uh, was terrified of flying. Thought they were just going to like film in the plane and then get out and use like body doubles. And then the plane took off. And Tom was like, yeah. she, she said this in interviews or she, she never told Tom that she was, uh, um, scared of flying until they were in the air. And he's like, Hey, are you okay with flying? And she was like, ah, I mean, I, I guess he's like, okay, we're just going to do some light aerobatics. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> some oh, light no. aerobatics. So they do like some barrel roll, like light barrel rolls and things like that. But that actually was real life. Like he, he did the same thing with, uh, the James Corden, Corden, the, the nighttime yeah. host. Yeah, he did it there. But I mean, it was, uh, it was phenomenal. There's actually a, an Easter egg that I, or not an Easter egg. There's a part of that, the movie that wouldn't happen in real life. And if you've seen any interviews, but with Miles Teller talking about like how intense the filming was. There's yep. a scene that you've seen in the trailers where they go up the hill and they roll over and they go over the other side of the hill. It serves a very specific purpose why they do that move. But in the actual movie, you see Miles, like for anybody who thinks that like this isn't real, when it flips over, he, his belt wasn't in tight enough that he falls towards the canopy of the plane yeah. as soon as it flips over. And then as soon as it flips, like he falls back in it. And originally we're like, okay, well, we're going to have to cut that because it's not realistic for like what this would be like in, a, in an actual plane. But it ended up looking cool enough in the movie that they're like, all right, fuck it, we're just going to leave it in there. But uh, the scene with the jet that takes off, like it's going forward and then it takes off and you yeah, see the guy standing right the, there. The, the camera. Yep. Also real. It was, it, it disintegrated the set. So you see the booth that's next to them. So they built that little set. So when that jet takes off like that, it ends up causing enough uh, of like a shockwave that it rattles the vehicle. The actor who then gets covered in dust but it blows the top off that little stand that's there, and they couldn't use it again. That was the only shot they got of that. The only CGI that's in there that I know of is the uh, the surface-to-air missiles, because there's a, a point where they're flying through a canyon, and there's a bunch of surface-to-air missiles, and obviously you're not going to replicate all of that uh, in like Colorado, wherever it is they filmed it from, but everything else is actually done like the original with practi practical 
effects. And that's not just from Tom, that's the director, that's all of the actors. Every single one of them speaks to it. But that movie is amazing. On Rotten Tomatoes, there's like 4,000 reviews, and it's got a 99, and uh, the critic reviews has a 97. That many people aren't wrong, man. It's it's really good. You would like it. I know you would like it. You gotta go see it. I don't know why you are so apprehensive to it, but it's like a fucking love poem written to the military. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You don't like Tiger Woods because you felt like he disrespected service members, and here's a movie that is literally a, a love note to the service, and you're like, nah. I'm gonna watch Supernatural instead. Well, to be honest, I, I have to take a class in which I need to write papers on Supernatural, so it's important I pay attention to that. Uh, Sam, Sam said all, he watched it uh, ahead of time, before the class, I did. and actually likes did, it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. No. Anyway, good. anyway, you got it for real. I will. You know what? I will Venmo you the cost of your ticket tonight to go see it. And I, and I will Venmo you the cost right back because I'm not paying to go see that garbage. All right, here we go. Why is it garbage? Tell me that. What is your reasoning to think it's garbage? Just not, just not a fan. Not of a fan. what? It, what? What part? Tell me what part. Is it because it's a pop culture icon, and, and you hate it because it's a pop culture icon? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a contrarian by nature. I have to be a curmudgeon, and and then I have to be an Oscar the Grouch, and I just have to say, no, I'm not gonna. Stay. All right, I'm gonna send your wife to go see it because she's gonna fucking love that movie. <laughs> She'll be like, hmm, I think I saw this movie before. Nothing like the original. Well. Nothing like the original. <laughs> I promise, it's nothing like the original. It's so good. It's like, All right. All right. as a standalone, if the first one never existed, this, on its own, would be incredible. It really, it really is. It's, it's, I, th I think it's worth seeing. Unless you hate Tom Cruise for some reason. But, some people do. Shout out to Ben Nato, my brother-in-law, who hates him ever since he jumped on a couch. <laughs> yep, yep. Ah! Alright, and that will do it for this episode of the Stats Mary Podcast. We talked for Top Gun almost as long as uh, you talked about Anchor Chair. So, uh, shout out to that. But uh, thank you everyone mm -hmm. for listening. Continue to be in this journey with us. And, Tim, the next time we speak, we will have a couple of Celtics games to break down. And I'm looking forward to it. Open yep. is at least one Celtics win, two will be preferable. We'll yes. have to see. Shout out to the old guys that just won the match on the last hole. Oh, Brady Rogers? Yep. He made a putt at the very end of it. To uh, Rogers, sunk one to to win it. So, well, when you don't uh, don't speak to your family, you're not engaged, and you're making 150 million dollars, and you don't have a receiver that you love to throw to anymore. Got a lot of time for golf. That's what that's what yeah, happens when you. Uh, Here we go. That's what happens when you don't make a lot of postseason runs. Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> go see it. Go see it.